Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Rinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on July 8th. The band is back together. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, the amazing Spencer Strider. Let's check in on some prospects. The Week 15 preview, two-star pitchers, and a whole bunch more. Let's have some fun. Oh my goodness gracious! All right. I asked the gents before we started, who wants that Olive Garden breadstick of the night? And Scott so willingly... Mm. stepped up and said, give me that breadstick. I am happy to reach for the final breadstick. And I, I forget, I forget the analogy. Like why, why do we call it the Olive Garden breadstick again? It, it's so when there's, there's like one obvious guy, this always happens where we're like, Oh, I don't, you can take him. You can. And it's like, that's oh, what yeah. happens at like restaurants when you get free, like bread. Yeah. They, that's what my friend told me when he was working at the Olive Garden. I'm sorry for putting their trade secrets out there, but they would give you one more piece of bread than there are people at the, the table. So people are less likely to get extras. Mm. Yeah. But then they, they weren't planning on me sitting there being like, yoink. Yeah, I am going to take Spencer Strider, the breadstick, who was amazing. Again, his second straight double-digit strikeout effort. Career high 12. You know, he's a rookie, so what does career high mean? But... Yeah, he struck out 12 against the Cardinals, 23 swinging strikes, uh, gave up only two hits, and I know one was a, a one that obviously should have been caught. It just, you know, three fielders converging and nobody wanted to take it in the first inning. So he was basically untouchable in this start, as has been the norm for Spencer Strider lately. And I'm not the first person who uh, put it this way. I remember somebody, you know, a couple starts ago, uh, on, on Twitter expressed this idea to me, but it's so true watching him. And I, 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 I think there's maybe a danger to analyzing a guy based on what you see, because I, I don't really think that's within my skill set, and it's, it's liable to create some faulty impressions, just, you know, the eye test, the whole eye test thing. But when I watch Spencer Strider, I feel, I get the feeling he's only capable of beating himself uh, by, you know, just being kind of all over the place, not hitting his spots like he's supposed to, chasing strikeouts too much. When he, that fastball, like it seems like he's capable of blowing it by anybody. And like he knows it too. Like he, <laughs> he just has to put it in the right spot and there's nothing they can do with it. The fastball, you know? So I know we were talking just yesterday, you know, Lance Lynn versus Spencer Strider. Who would I take? And I, I think yesterday I said Lance Lynn. I think I got to move Strider up past Lynn. Somebody was asking me on Twitter today, Lance Lynn or Lucas Giolito. And, you know, part of me is like, well, you know, Lucas Giolito, he's been, we've thought of him as this top 15 guy for a few years now. But realistically, if I had Spencer Strider and somebody offered me Lucas Giolito for him, there's no way I'm taking that. So I think I got to move him past Lucas Giolito. In the long run, Strider may end up beating himself. You know, he, 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 he may just have too many games where he struggles with control or, or whatever else. He may get hurt. He may have to get shut down at some point because he, he didn't even reach 100 innings last year. But he's at about 60 now, I believe. And... uh I don't know. I just want to 
I, I just think he's so talented that I don't, I don't want to pass him up for anything, you know? Yeah, I got that same question too, Scott, and I hesitated. Lucas Gilito versus Spencer Strider. I think it's one of those weird rankings quirks where if you have Strider, you're not going to trade him for Gilito. And if you have Gilito, I doubt you're going to be able to get Spencer Strider for him. So it's just kind of a weird situation. I do think that they're both like top 30 ish starting pitchers right now, anyway. Uh, the innings concern. So right now, Strider is at 65.2 innings pitched. 102 strikeouts, by the way, nearly 14 K per nine. The guy is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, did a little bit of math. So last year, 96 and a third total innings for Spencer Strider. I mentioned what he's done already. Let's say he makes 15 starts the rest of the season. That would be like, you know, normal five time, you know, four, five man rotation rest of season, averaging five and a half innings per start. That would put him at 88 innings rest of season, plus 65 and two thirds, 153 and two thirds last year was 96. Chris, do you think that this is a fair jump? Something that you could see Spencer Strider doing rest of season. That would be, you know, about a 60 inning jump year over year. Yeah. I, I, I would want to look at like what the Braves have done in some other similar situations. Like Ian Anderson is someone who comes to mind just cause he came up during that 2020 season. I'm not sure what the, you know, what the leaps for him were, but I, I don't know. It, it seems in the right ballpark you know, a, a 50 to 60 inning jump like that, that doesn't seem to raise too many alarm bells. So I, I think that's okay. Yeah. I'm looking at like Ian Anderson from 2020 to 2021 was a 120 inning jump, but obviously that was coming off the shortened season. Yeah. It was about, well, it was and, and- right in line with his career high. So that's where it does change for Strider because Strider doesn't have, you know, that 140 inning career high. Um, right. He only got one minor league season. Yeah. So, so before that, just, you know, the college workload isn't very much. Yes. Yeah, so and I think the, you have to, you have to consider also that I, I imagine the Braves are going to be anticipating a playoff run, a deep playoff run. And um, they'll want to have some innings in the tank for, for that. So I, I do think it's likely maybe they slow down, Strider at some point, maybe they insert Kyle Muller as a sixth starter at some point and, and, and go with that for a while. But even so, like I Strider, somebody I'm having a hard time picturing taking out of my lineup for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one caveat I would say is like this recent stretch isn't that dissimilar from Kyle Wright's. Uh, early season stretch, you know, I think Strider's been a little better for a little longer than Kyle Wright was at his best. But, you know, Kyle Wright has then settled in as a pretty good, I would say very good starting pitcher, but not this like incredible world beater like he looked earlier. And I think there's a difference in the the pure stuff. Like, you know, like Scott said, Spencer Strider, you watch him and he's so overwhelmingly dominant that it's hard to imagine how things go south, but it's also worth reminding yourself that he's a two pitch pitcher. I mean, almost exclusively he throws the change up. He threw eight of them today. I, I would imagine that's pretty close to a season high for him. He really like, he pitches like a closer. Like I saw somebody comp make compare him to like Edwin Diaz. Uh, and that is just a profile that you don't see very often out of starting pitchers, especially right-handed starting pitchers. You just don't see a lot of fastball slider guys. And so far there have been zero split issues. Spencer Strider has been arguably even more dominant against lefties than he has righties. I think he's got like entering this start. He had 45 strikeouts to like five walks against left-handed pitch batters or something like something ridiculous like that. So that hasn't become an issue yet, but as we're often talking about with young players, you want to see what the adjustment to the adjustment looks like and all that. So we'll see what it looks like, but yeah, he was 36 when I updated my rankings this morning or this afternoon and looking at it, I just, it didn't seem right to have him behind Kyle Wright or Sean Manaya or Framber Valdez or you Darvish. So I moved him up to 28, um, which is not far from where Lucas Giolito is at this point. Yeah, I think that's all fair. And I do have one comp for him, Chris, another starting pitcher who relies so heavily on fastball slider. Actually, another mustachioed fella, Dylan Cease. 
I think that they're very, very similar pitchers at this point. In fact, yeah. Snyder actually walks less batters per nine than Cease does. So could potentially even be oh, better. Yeah. Than yeah. No, I think I think Strider ridiculous himself uh, lately. You know, he he's on a Strider esque run, and he's got four pitches. You know, he doesn't use the the curveball and changeup as often. But Strider has a a changeup. He he used he threw eight changeups today, so he he does technically have a third pitch. He just rarely needs it. I think is the main thing, and I do think he naturally has better control than Cease. He just sometimes falls in love with the strikeouts and. Um, issues walks for that reason. Yeah. So, you know, since you brought up cease, I wanted, I wanted to mention this for him. So he had a, a good start against the tigers, one earned run, three hits, three walks, eight strikeouts. His last eight starts. Now Dylan cease has a 0.60 ERA and eight starts, but with a 1.15 whip and 10 earned run, 10 unearned runs during that eight start stretch that kind of kind of um undermines that 0.60 ERA. So Yeah, he had one you know, really he's a top bad, 20 pitcher. He had one um, really bad start if you look at it. It was six yeah. earned six unearned runs and then the previous start he had seven walks. Um outside of that he's been pretty flawless. Yeah, I mean he's a top 20 pitcher. But you know, kind of there, there are some kind of misleading numbers in there as well. Sure. All right. Let's move on from uh, Spencer Strider and talk about another Braves player. Chris, oh, my goodness gracious for you. Yeah, Scott's feeling too good about his team uh, after Spencer <laughs> Strider discussion. So we got to knock him down a peg and talk about Ronald Acuna, whose OPS has fallen below 800, 793. He went 0 for 5 with a strikeout today. Did score a run, uh, so presumably got on base at some point. Um, but we did get an email today uh, that, uh, I, you know, just kind of caught my eye from an email from listener named Clint. Just here to say I shouldn't be able to tell Acuna is off weeks ahead of you guys. Maybe tomorrow you'll talk about how bad he's been relative to his career norms. A couple other things that, you know, taking some shots at us, that's fine. Uh, but that's how, that's how I noticed it. But, yeah, Acuna, like, he's... I don't know, like, he's off, I guess, in a way that would make sense. He's coming back from a torn ACL, and he's 50 games in now. Officially, I think today was his 50th game this season, and it would make sense that he's not 100% right, except I don't know if that explanation actually holds any water. He's one, he's on pace for more steals than we've ever seen from him. He's on a 45 stolen base pace over 150 games, which would be a career high by eight and that came in 156 games obviously paces are you know they're not necessarily you know proof of anything but he's also like his quality of contact metrics aren't quite as good as they were in 2020 and 2021 but that's because he's gone from like the seventh best hitter in baseball according to the quality of contact metrics to like i don't know the 28th or something like he's still 82nd percentile on average exit velocity 83rd in hard hit rate 98th in mags exit velocity 91st in x x slug x slug 91st 86th in xba 95th in x woba like by he's he's not hitting the ball in the air as much and he's not hitting the ball to the pull side as much those are the two things if you want to look at the strikeout rates identical most of the underlying plate discipline numbers are identical if you're looking for an explanation for why Ronald Acuna hasn't been as good this season, it's one, his pull rate is down to 41% from 48% last season, and his ground ball rate is up to 47, 46% from 32% last season. Now, that's not nothing, and that would help explain why Ronald Acuna only has seven home runs and is only on a 21-homer pace. But it's also the kind of thing that just happens sometimes. And like we went over this in the 2020 season that was only 60 games. Ronald Acuna is right around that threshold where like the fluctuations that happen from a, from a player, even the underlying skill fluctuations don't necessarily mean anything. And I know we've gone over this with Juan Soto in recent weeks. And I feel like our listeners often want us to tell them when they're superstar players disappointing that there's a reason for it like that. I think it makes you feel better about like, man, why has Juan Soto been so bad? Why has Ronald Acuna underperformed? And like having a reason for it might make you feel better about it. But like, I kind of just think Ronald Acuna is just like 
a tiny, teeny, tiny bit off and he's about to get like, he's probably going to get really, really hot soon and look mm-hmm. like one of the best players in baseball for an extended stretch. Possibly yep. like, would anyone be surprised if he was just the number one player in fantasy the rest of the season? There's no part of me that would be even a little bit shocked if Ronald Acuna was the best player in fantasy from this yeah. point on. Well, at least so, the Roto like, scoring I expect him to be. Yeah, right? like uh, he's a top five player in both formats because he walks a bunch now and he doesn't really strike out that much. So it's just, I get getting being frustrated. You see, you know, Juan Soto hitting two thirty or whatever it is. You see Ronald Acuna with an OPS below eight hundred. This isn't what you signed up for. Better days are ahead. And I, that is, that is a promise. That's a, that's a fantasy baseball today. Guarantee. Mm, can't wait till we get an email from that guy in like a month when uh, Ronald Acuna still only has, you know, 10 home runs or whatever it is at that point. Anyway, I think it's all related to the ground ball rate, Chris, uh, you mm-hmm. brought it up. I mean, a 15 percentage point increase from one year to the next in ground ball rate, that is going to change your power output a massive amount. And even with that, you mentioned this was his 50th game. He's still on pace, 272 batting average, 21 home runs, 51 steals. If you the RBI this- has been bad. The RBI and home runs have been like, he's on like a 60 RBI, 20 homer pace. That's really, that's bad. I can't like, there's no, there's no like sugar coating that. He's been disappointing, but I just don't think it matters that much. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, I understand why people send emails in like this. Again, I think it's kind of uh, a therapy session, Chris, which you've kind of referred yeah, to as. But honestly, there's like we don't bring it up because a there's nothing we can do to change it at this point, right? Like we're not going to tell you to trade Ronald Acuna. Like it just it doesn't make sense unless you're yeah, getting I don't know multiple amazing pieces, like multiple top ten players. It doesn't make sense. Ball rate point. It's fifty games. He's had he had a fifty game stretch uh, towards the end of the 2019 season when he had a 46% ground ball rate. So like those things happen. We think of these like underlying skills as like skills and they, they are to a certain extent, but they're the result of skills and those things can change. And so I, I promise you, Ronald Acuna, you're not going to be like, I don't know. I can't promise. There's no guarantees in life. If Ronald Acuna stays healthy, I think there's a very, very small chance that you will be disappointed in him rest of the season. All right, we're going to skip my oh my goodness gracious player and get to him in just a little little bit because we have spent 17 minutes talking about two Atlanta Braves players. So let's check in on some (laughs) prospects, uh, guys that maybe we haven't talked about enough recently and uh, just kind of see what they're what they're doing lately. Adley Rutschman, he went one for four at his fourth home run of the season, his first in Camden Yards. Last 22 games, he's hitting 259, four homers, 10 doubles, 14 runs, 11 RBI, one steal making a lot of contact, doing a bit of everything, and especially in points leagues. I mean, if this is a preview of what's to come for Adley Rutschman the next couple of years, really strong play discipline, not striking out. And even though he's not hitting as many home runs, maybe as we're expecting, a lot of doubles. And I think, you know, usually for a prospect, we expect those doubles to turn into home runs over time. Uh, Scott, what have you seen from Adley Rutschman, you know, the past three, four weeks or so? Because looks like he's getting back on track. Yeah, I mean, if if... If that's who he is rest of season, then I, I don't think anybody has any reason to be disappointed. He, I, I think I have him uh, seventh in my rest of season rankings at catcher. Sixth, maybe. Uh, and those numbers would get him there. Like, obviously, it's a, it's a low bar to meet at that position. And with catchers especially, you don't expect them to perform up to their potential right away because they have... S- they're you know they they're not able to work on their hitting as much as players at other positions are because the defensive demands are so high and uh i think it's pretty typical basically for them playing to, every day like mm-hmm. he's sixth among catchers and plate appearances since he got called up like he's yep. not getting much time off so like what he's doing the degree of difficulty for adley rutschman is incredibly high and i think it's important to keep that in mind as well because being a catcher at the major league level is just incredibly difficult. And his numbers are comparable to Dalton Varsho or uh, Christian Vasquez, who I know that's not a big name, but like guys who, you know, I don't think there's a lot of concern about them being starters moving forward. So th- uh, this is the first 50, you know, 37 games of his career. 
I'm very excited about Adley Rushman. I am here to tell you that you should be buying Vinny Pasquantino, despite him going four for 30 so far and batting 133. He only has one homer, six walks to six strikeouts. Plate discipline has been there. Very patient approach. His exit velocity, 94.9 miles per hour early on. The max EV, nearly 113 miles per hour. 313 expected batting average. Still only 65% rostered. Uh, Chris, if you need a first baseman or corner infielder, utility bat, whatever it might be, even shallow leagues, I would say add Vinny Pasquantino. And if anyone in your league is on the verge of dropping him, I, just sell some, send some kind of buy low offer because I well, think I mean, those better days are coming. He, uh, I'm not Chris, but he's only 65% rostered. Yeah. You know, so like a, a lot of leagues, he's just there for the taking still. And he's he's my number one sleeper hitter for this upcoming week. And yeah, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to see him do some serious damage very soon. Like to put it into context, you said 94.9 miles per hour on the average exit velocity. That would be like two hitters who rank ahead of him if, if he's able to sustain that exit velocity. And with that now, strikeout rate, it's kind of ridiculous. He, he hasn't gotten more hits yet. One thing I will point out, you know, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I think he's worth adding everywhere that he's available. If someone's looking to, to trade him low, I'd buy the profile that he does have could lend itself to him underperforming, you know, relatively gaudy looking expected stats because he's incredibly slow, uh, fourth percentile in sprint speed so far. That's what we expected. And he's incredibly pull, pull heavy. Again, that's also what we expected. And, and those are reasons to, you know, the pull profile is a reason to think that he'll be a pretty solid power hitter. But slow guys who are easily shiftable, especially left-handed hitters can tend to underperform their expected stats because they'll get, they'll just get a lot of uh, would be hits taken away by the shift or by, you know, just being slow. So that's, that's the only thing I would point out is like Pasquantino, you should probably bookmark in your head. Like, okay, I probably need to discount whatever his expected stats are. It's a good At point. least a little bit. Let's do a little Pasquantino or this player. Uh, you guys could both answer. Pasquantino or Alex Kirilov? Vinny. And you know I love Kirilov. Ooh. I, let me see. I have Kirilov ranked ahead. Pasquantino or Nate Lowe? Vinny. Pasquantino. Pasquantino or Andrew Vaughn? Uh, I think I have Vaughn ahead. I think I do too, but I don't know. Kind Vaughn of similar is- profiles. Vaughn is, I struggle with Vaughn. I struggle with what my true feelings for Vaughn are. Yeah, I, I, the reason I ask, Scott, I saw you, you move Vaughn all the way up to 12th in your first base rank, so it's, it's pretty aggressive. I, he's been a good player, but the, the problem has been a lack of power for him. So I think he's almost been a better real-life hitter than fantasy hitter, if that makes sense for Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's underperformed what he'll be as a power hitter in the long run that, you know, that obviously is factoring into my the way I rank him, mm-hmm. but that's a tough one. But I'll I'll say Vaughn because that's what my rankings show. All right, let's move on to an outfielder. Oh gosh, another Atlanta Brave. Seriously, Michael Harris. He went one for four with his sixth home run. Seventy nine percent rostered. Could be out there in some shallower leagues. So far, I mean, he looks like a stud. He got called up from Double A, and all he has done is hit and run and hit and run 292 batting average, six homers, six steals, the max EV nearly 113 miles per hour. I will say the ground ball rate is a little bit high at 55%, but the expected numbers all kind of line up with his actual numbers. Uh, he does not walk much early on. That's something I've noticed for Michael Harris, but uh, performing well against lefties. I know it's way too early to talk about next year, but I could just see like Michael Harris is going to be like one of the darlings of fantasy. If he keeps this up and I don't really have any reason to believe that he won't. So Scott, another Atlanta brave. What do you think about your boy, Michael Harris? I wish he walked more. I wish the average exit velocity was a little higher, but there's not much to complain about beyond that. He's running more than I expected him to. The, the power has translated to home runs quicker than I thought it would. And, uh, you know, the hit tool, I, I think, was probably the most refined of them when he got the call and, and hasn't disappointed in that regard. And he's great as a defender in center field. So, you know, that's going to ensure he continues to, to play every day, even if 
even if maybe he his his numbers fall off a little against left-handed pitchers. I the one thing I he is incredibly incredibly aggressive. He has the eighth highest outside of zone swing rate in baseball at forty five percent. So that's the one thing the play discipline like. He actually, he's an aggressive swinger in general, 56% swing rate. But yeah, you look at the guys who have high swing rates outside of the strike zone compared to him. And it's like Tim Anderson, who swings at pitches inside of the strike zone at 78%. And obviously, Garcia, who's at 86% on pitches inside of the strike zone. And Ozzy Albies at 84%. Michael Harris is at 74% on in the strike zone. So that tells me the pitch recognition is is pretty lacking. So... You know, he's making enough contact that it's not a concern right now, but mm-hmm. I could see that being something that catches up to him if you wanted to look for a a red flag just because it's kind of the only thing. Like, play discipline is kind of the only thing he's not doing extremely well right now. And his swinging strike rate is a little bit high, 14.6% mm-hmm. compared to just a 22% strikeout rate. So maybe we do see that kind of reflect a little bit more and more strikeouts kind of show up for Michael Harris. So... Uh, it's a good point, but man, outside of that, power speed combination, fantastic fielder early on. Really like what we've got from uh, Michael Harris. How about O'Neill Cruz? His first 17 games, he's batting 203. He's got three homers, two steals, 22 strikeouts to just two walks. That is a 33% strikeout rate, uh, hitting the ball extremely hard, which we uh, expected for O'Neill Cruz. Chris, it's kind of been a mixed bag here. What are your early takeaways from Cruz? Yeah, he's um, kind of the opposite of, of Harris. He's been weirdly passive. He doesn't swing at pitches inside of the strike zone. His chase rate's only 36%. His zone swing rate is only 55%. That's incredibly low. That's like Alex Bregman or, if you want a bad comp, Kevin Biggio level lows. Now he's got 80-grade, 75-grade raw power, and, and he's putting into play in games, but... Uh, I think there's, you know, that that's the one thing that stands out is that he's actually not swinging and missing like a whole, whole lot as much as he is swinging at the wrong pitches early on. But strikeout rate actually wasn't as big of a concern for him in the minors as you would think, given his size. So I'm optimistic that he can improve. All right. We're, I'm assuming we're looking, we're still holding O'Neill Cruz and 100 percent must must roster player. Right. Must roster, but I, I wouldn't say must start. Yeah. While those others, you know, maybe in the three outfielder points league, you're not necessarily starting Michael Harris, but, you know, he's, yeah. he's pretty widely started and should be. This last one is not really a prospect, but he is a rookie and he's playing very well. Derek Hall with the Phillies went two for four, hit his fourth home run, uh, added two RBI. Striking out quite a bit early on, does not have a single walk through his first, I believe it's seven or eight games. Uh, 25% rostered, widely available. Next week, next week he's got six games with two lefties on the schedule, so uh, we'll see how he fares against those lefties. But, Scott, where, if anywhere, should we be looking to add Derek Hall? So, I think in the long run, it's going to play out similarly to Jake Sawinski, where, yes, he does have power, but is he a well-rounded enough hitter to to really take advantage of it in a way that we care about in fantasy. And I, uh, I'm very skeptical of that. I mean, he's a 26-year-old non-prospect who was hitting a lot of home runs in the minors prior to this call-up. And, you know, at least the his first go around the league, that's continued. But as a as anything more than a short-term play, and, you know, it's not like the Phillies have great matchups this upcoming week, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical of Derek Hall still. All right, let's move into a few other waiver wire hitters before we hit the break. Christopher Morell, we talk about him a lot. He's only 70% rostered, so I feel like that number should be closer to universally rostered at this point. He hit his ninth home run of the season on Thursday, came off of Tony Gonsolin. He is batting 274, nine homers, seven steals, and 849 OPS in his first 47 games. That's about as impressive as it can go uh, for an you know, unheralded prospect. He he was a prospect on some lists, but it's not like he was one of the top prospects in the game. So Christopher Morell has been great. He's got second base outfield eligibility. If you need either of those positions, you need to roster him, even in points leagues. Uh, we spoke about these two yesterday, Andrew Benintendi. Two more hits. He has multiple hits in eight of his last 10 games. 73% rostered. Probably better for points leagues at this point. Uh, Jonathan VR, back-to-back multi-hit games, has let off four straight for the Angels. So in deeper leagues, just... 
a name to watch. Maybe you need a middle infielder uh, with some speed. If you need a second catcher, who do you like more between these two? Carson Kelly went two for three, hit his third home run, and over his last seven games, he's batting 318 with three home runs. All three of his home runs in the season have come in the last seven games. And Cal Raleigh, two more hits, including his 11th home run, 114 miles per hour off the bat. A legit frozen rope. It went 19 degrees uh, launch angle. It would just... Boom. It just went out in a hurry. Uh, he's 24% rostered. Chris, if you need a second catcher, who do you like more? Carson Kelly, Cal Raleigh. Uh, as someone who follows me on Twitter said in my mentions, hashtag Kyle Rally, which is how <laughs> I tend to say Kyle Rally. Yeah, say his name as if you weren't trying to say Kyle Rally. Kyle Rally. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of sound like I don't know. I get like a like a little bit of like a twang when I say those specific sounds. I don't know what it is. Cal Rally. Cal Rally. <laughs> but you would take him over Carson Kelly. Yes. Same for you, Scott. Well, I don't know. It's I kind of don't care that much, really. Uh, whoever's hotter, I'd be willing to just ride them for a while. I think we've certainly seen more from Kelly. As at the major league level overall. He's been pretty horrible this year. Missed a lot of time with injuries. But I, I, I think if, if, you're, if you're telling me I have to pick up one guy and stick with him, I, I would probably choose Kelly. All right, fair enough. Uh, last one I wanted to mention here, Daniel Vogelbach, one of Scott's favorites. Heating back up, he went three for four with a double and an RBI. His last 11 games, he's hitting 419, three homers, and more walks and strikeouts. Seven walks to five strikeouts. He's 9% rostered. Uh, you don't want to add him in shallow leagues, but he's got in deeper leagues. He's got seven games next week, including three in Coors Field. Kind of like certified big beefy, big beefy baseball boy. I He hit a home run off the Yankees the other day, and just watching Daniel Vogelbach round the bases. He might be the platonic. Like I think Justin Bohr is the, the king of the big beefy baseball boys, but... Daniel Vogelbach might be the platonic ideal. Nah, yeah, I mean, Chris, it's got to be, it's got to be Vogie, man. Like that, <laughs> he yeah. is just the perfect description there. Yeah, uh, Scott, Scott, do you have any interest in uh, Vogelbach in deeper leagues if you need a corner for next week? I mean, it depends how deep the league is. I didn't strongly consider him for my top 10 sleeper hitters for next week because there are four lefties on the schedule Dang. and he's batting 137 against lefties. That's not great. All right, that's a good point and one that I hadn't realized. You know, I just I see cores on the schedule and I just get, get so excited. Before we hit the break, Fantasy Baseball Today is a nominee for the best sports podcast category in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Thanks for all that you do for us, and we appreciate we hope that you'll nominate us to advance to the final round. To, to do so, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. The whole process takes less than a minute. I did it yesterday before the podcast. Quick, easy, painless. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see that we have a new QR code in the top right of the screen right next to Scotty's face. So pull out that phone. Scan the QR code, open up your camera. That'll take you right to the website. And again, drop down the sports category and uh, you can nominate us there. We've also included the link at the top of the podcast description and on YouTube as well. If you want to hear about prospects this Saturday, listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. It's our five-minute podcast. Download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. We'll take a break and we'll return right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes. Kevin Gosman threw off flat ground on Thursday and is scheduled for a bullpen on Friday to determine when he will make his next start dealing with that ankle injury. Tyler O'Neill could be reinstated from the IL on Friday against the Phillies. Jazz Chisholm is expected is scheduled to play in a game at the rookie-level Florida Complex League on Saturday. He's been on the IL with a back injury. Bobby Witt Jr. has missed two straight after getting hit by a pitch on his right. Uh, Actually, I don't know what hand it is. I don't know why I just assumed it was right, but on one of his hands on Tuesday. Chris Sale, this is fun, will likely be activated to make his season debut on Tuesday. The Red Sox left open the possibility of another rehab start, but they're leaning towards calling him up back to the big leagues and uh, hopefully he pitches well or else he'll destroy their entire clubhouse, which, you know, <laughs> if you saw the video that's going around on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like to frequent, uh, yeah. you know, Chris sale caught like destroying stuff, trying to rip something off the wall in the clubhouse. He walked five bats. Well, I, I think he took a bat to a TV and um, it was, I think it was Chris Cotillo who uh, Chris Cotillo. I retweeted the article. Um, I hope he's the one who actually wrote it, but the the quotes in it from Sale were priceless because he kind of like went over the rules for throwing a tantrum. Like he learned when he was young not to use his fists, and like he kind of had some older players teach him the right way to do it. And he was saying, "I know that wouldn't fly at Bank of America, but this isn't Bank of America." And it's just like you you see it and you see the tantrum, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's not a good look, Chris Sale." But then like. <laughs> The comments are just so fun. Like he he owns it. Like he knows, he knows. He, he has, knows he has a lot of look self-awareness. Like a, he knows it makes him look like a big baby. Like yeah. that's what he said. Is like, yeah. it's a seven-year-old's tantrum. And so it's hard not it's, to to like to come out liking him over. He he replaced the TV and everything. You know, it it does just. I'm always here for any time that we're reminded of Chris Sale being a weirdo because it brings up <laughs> my favorite sports story maybe ever when Chris Sale like threw a tantrum because they wouldn't let Adam LaRoche's son stay in the dugout or in the locker room was just like one of my favorite things that's ever happened in sports. Adam Adam Eaton called a 14-year-old a leader in their clubhouse. It was just unbelievable stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Chris I mean, Sale hung up his jersey, a 14-year-old kid's jersey in his locker out of in tribute. It was amazing. Look, I'm all what for a weirdo. Out passion and, and fire while playing sports and stuff. But man, I, Chris Sale, you know, he takes it a little bit further. I look, I can't really complain too much. He's just a weird dude. Yankees, Paul O'Neill, you know, the guy was also like a maniac back in the nineties. So can't really say too much on that, but uh, yeah, hopefully we see Chris Sale back soon. Uh, even with sale returning, Brian Bayo will make another start on Monday against the Tampa Bay Rays. Aaron judge was out of the lineup Thursday due to lower body soreness. They said, it's just kind of, general soreness this time of year, middle part of the season. Jeremy Pena was scratched due to health and safety protocols. Apparently, he's traveling with the Astros for their weekend series. I believe they're headed out to Oakland. Marcus Stroman is expected to be activated and started this weekend against the Dodgers. He's 58% roster. Do we have any interest in Marcus Stroman? I think that's probably a pretty appropriate roster rate for now. We'll see what he looks like, but I don't know. You're not. You're often not missing out on much. Fair enough. Yeah, he was not great early in the season. So, uh, especially against the the Dodgers, uh, that's you don't want to start him as first start back. That's for sure. Uh, Rowanzi Contreras. This was interesting. He pitched one of the best games of the season: six innings, one run, seven strikeouts, and then he was optioned after. Uh, apparently, the team had planned a shutdown period for Contreras. The plan is for him to return slightly after the All Star break or 
something like that. Yeah. We were talking beforehand, and you guys said this is pretty normal, right? So. Yeah, this won't be the last young pitcher we see this happen to in this this week leading up to the All-Star break because obviously the All-Star break gives these teams a chance to reset the rotation so they can – you know they can they can go the length of time necessary before bringing the player back and and him not really miss a turn. They just kind of rearrange the rotation, get an extra player on the roster in the meantime. It's it's a little bit of a roster chicanery, but it's it's pretty normal. I don't I don't think we should treat it as a true promotion, a true demotion for Ronzi Contreras. It yeah, does, they're however, keeping him mean, on the taxi squad, so he's with the team. He's it, not like going to Indianapolis right. or whatever. It does mean he misses out on a two-start week next week. So that's a little disappointing. But one of those starts is going to be at Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So you probably didn't want to use him there anyway. Jerickson Profar was carted off the field after colliding with teammate C.J. Abrams. And Profar took a knee right to the jaw. It was pretty scary stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, he tried to walk off multiple times and and then just dropped down. So hoping everything's all right with him. Uh, Mitch Hanniger could return by the end of July. He's missed a couple of months with that ankle sprain. We have a bunch of Red Sox rehab assignments starting up. Nathan Avaldi pitched on Thursday. Garrett Whitlock will pitch Friday. And Enrique Hernandez will start his rehab assignment on Friday as well. Jesus Lazardo will throw a bullpen session Friday. He's been on the IL for nearly two months with that forearm strain. Michael Lorenzen placed on the IL with a right shoulder strain retroactive to July 4th. And Mike Soroka was hit in the knee by a comebacker while pitching live batting practice and does not have a target date for a rehab assignment. Let's move into week 15 and we'll start with the schedule, which is all over the place. We've got three teams with five games, the Orioles, the Angels and the Dodgers, 12 teams with six games, 11 teams with seven and we have four teams with eight games next week. The Tigers, the Royals, the White Sox and the Guardians. As I mentioned earlier, the Rockies are at home. They've got seven home games, four against the Padres, and three against the Pirates, in case you want to target any of those hitters. Starters sit these fringy two-star pitchers for next week. We will start with Chris Sale. If he is uh, planning to start on Tuesday, that would set him up at the Rays and at the Yankees. Scott, what do you do with Chris Sale? Probably start him. I I have him just outside of the must-start tier in my two-star pitcher rankings. So, you know, if it's a shallow league, if you have an especially deep pitching staff, maybe you'll choose to play it safe. But I don't think most people have that luxury. Uh, Sean Manaya has not pitched that well as of late, and next week he's at Coors Field against the Rockies and home against the Diamondbacks. Chris, what do you think about Sean Manaya? I think I would still start him. Um, the Rockies, like, at Coors is bad, but... It's not like a death trap and versus Arizona is nice. So I think I'd still start him. Alex Cobb has also not pitched very well this entire season. Unfortunately, <laughs> we thought it would go much better than this. He is up against the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. Scott, what do you think about Cobb? Uh, he's in the no thanks section of the, the two-star pitcher rankings. I did consider him for my 10 sleeper pitchers because it's hard to come up with 10 sleeper pitchers right now. But realistically, I don't want to start Cobb. All right. His peripherals are still so good. Yeah. He's got a 2.71 xERA. His Let's... quality of contact this year is actually really good. Well, I don't understand. Would you start starting him? him? I'm going to start him. I'm going to okay. I'm going to run him out there in towers, and I'm going to feel stupid about him. Well, it could be uh, fortune favors the bold pick. Mm. That's be. just a little bit later on. Of course, he's seventy percent rostered, so. I don't... <laughs> All right, so he's like right on that fringe. Uh, Graham Ashcraft is at the Yankees and at the Cardinals. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I think I'd probably stay away. Brian Bayo at the Rays and at the Yankees facing the Rays two two turns in a row, his first two starts. Scott, what do you think? No, no. I mean, he may not make that second start depending on how the first goes. So that's all the more reason to stay away. Fair enough. Josh Winder is filling in in the Twins rotation. He's going up against the Brewers and White Sox. Chris, Josh Winder. I pass. Pass. All right. Mitch Keller, huh, our favorite. Why? I should have lined it up so that Chris got Mitch Keller. I, I always <laughs> just like asking you about Mitch Keller, Chris. Uh, he's at the Marlins. One good start at Coors Field. Gross. Scott? I mean, you could ask him anyway. My feelings won't be hurt. All right, Chris. <laughs> 
I mean, the nice thing about Mitch Keller is you know he's going to have a good start against the Marlins because it's a great matchup, and Mitch Keller never disappoints. No, I wouldn't start him. <laughs> even oh. in a points league, like, he doesn't go deep into games even when he's pitching well. Like, I just, I, no, let's just give up on this. Let's stop trying to make Mitch Keller happen. All right, yep. He's not fetch. Stop trying to make it a thing. Trevor Rogers going up against the Pirates and the Phillies. Scott, I just got to ask, courtesy Trevor Rogers. No. 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 As I mentioned yesterday, he's outside my top 100 starting pitchers rest of season. I think that's a little much. It's hard to blame you. I think his his ERA is over five. I think his whip is over 1.5. It's been a rough one. It's been a rough one. 100 is not as low as it sounds at that position i will and in my defense uh so let me see if i can pull it up quickly enough let me see some guys i have just ahead of him so i have him behind zach eflin zach plesak lance mccullers who's about to go on a rehab assignment cal quantrell marco gonzalez come on he's better than those guys well i would i would start all of those you'd guys rather over have him, right him on your roster than cal quantrell <laughs> I mean, it depends how deep a league you're talking about, but what what I, depth of league is Kyle Quantrill more more valuable? Come on, well, he's come he's on. He's more rostered on CBS than Trevor right, Rogers. Like, Trevor Rogers was legitimately one of the ten best pitchers in baseball at this time last year. So, like, I get it; he's been bad. I'm not making excuses for him, but like the upside, like. Maybe you'd rather start Cal Quantrill than Trevor Rogers. Now I think that might be the fourth different way I've pronounced Cal Quantrill's name. <laughs> um, but like, like in, in a I, dynasty league, I will on. take I will take Trevor Rogers over Cal Quantrill. Sure, come but I, I don't have any faith in in Rogers finding it anytime soon. So, you know, I, I just kind of I, I don't I don't want to overrank him. That's for sure. All right, two-star pitchers to add and stream for next week. Scott, who do we have? Okay, would you ask me about two-star pitchers or one-star pitchers? Two-star pitchers. Two-star pitchers. So, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, it's hard. It's getting hard to find 10 sleeper pitchers, and rather than force a couple guys on there, uh, like a Graham Ashcrafter or Brian Bayo, who I don't actually want anybody starting, I just decided to change the rules. When when you when you're losing the game, change the rules. And so I've upped the sleeper threshold to 85% rostered, which allows me to put Josiah Gray on this list. He gets the Mariners and the Braves. Frankly, with the way he's pitched recently, uh, I'm I'm not sure there are matchups that could keep me away from him. Josiah Gray in his past six starts, a 278 ERA, 107 WHIP, 11.4 K per nine. Jeffrey Springs is on here again, because why not? I mean, that's part of the reason I stretched, like I, I uh, raised the threshold too, because I can't put Jeffrey Springs at the top of the list every week, and he's been a little less uh, reliable lately. But of course, he had missed a turn prior to his last start. It stood to reason he'd be rusty. He's still getting a lot of whiffs, so I think you know one of his two starts is against Baltimore. I still think that's a pretty good play. Uh, let's see, Merrill Kelly. Gets the Giants and Padres, not great matchups, but he's kind of the quintessential streamer pitcher and very likely going to come away with at least one quality start, maybe even two. David Peterson is on here. He gets the Braves and the Cubs. The Braves matchup is a little scary, of course, but the Braves are actually second in baseball in strikeouts, and Peterson has done a good job missing bats lately. The Cubs strike out a lot too, so that could turn out okay. Chris Flexen gets the Nationals and Rangers with pretty good matchups, and he's been, you know, pretty steady lately. Don't have a lot of faith in him, but we're at eighth now in my sleeper pitchers list. And I do actually have Josh Winder rounding out the list. He's 16% rostered, so, you know, if you play in a big league and you're looking to stream somebody off waivers, it's very likely he's available. But not a ton of confidence in him. All right. If you listen to Matt Damon, then you know that fortune favors the brave. It also means you probably lost all your money to crypto. But alas, if you need a two-star pitcher that you are just so desperate for, even though you know that pitcher is terrible and you should not do this, but you're feeling brave, (laughs) 
then you should use Trevor Rogers next week. That is my fortune favors the brave pick. And I will be starting him in the Scott White Dynasty League because it is a 24 team league. And frankly, I just don't have any pitchers left. So I will start just barely. Scott just barely thinks he's worth starting in a 24 team league. <laughs> You're not wrong. You got about 120 that. starting pitchers. That's just under the threshold. He's going up against the Pirates and the Phillies. Whatever. Not that the matchups matter. Like we all know, Trevor Rogers is bad. But I'm going to be brave and say to start him, Chris. Who is your fortune? Favors the brave two starter for next week. I kind of want to say Brian Bayo. Um, mm. I just wish the matchups were better because I know the first start wasn't good, but his stuff is so electric, and even in that start, it looked really good. That I just it, it does kind of seem like a he was nervous in his major league debut kind of thing and he could come out and just absolutely dominate. I'm still very excited about him. Scott, there's one other pitcher here that is just screaming at me. Fortune favors the brave. Will you select? Is it one eight hundred Glenn Otto? That wasn't Glenn the one Otto. but he's that's no. pretty good too. Okay. <laughs> Got Oakland. Oakland yeah. and Seattle, two bottom yeah. S- bottom six offenses. I think I saw in his last four or five starts, he has more walks than strikeouts. So that uh, that seems pretty bad for our guy 1-800-GLEN-AUTO. Mm-hmm. But I think Mitch Keller, two starts with one of those in Coors Field, that is just, you, <laughs> you have to be the bravest fantasy player to throw him in your lineup. Uh, so yeah. if you are, you can use him. Single start streamers for next week. Scott, does this get any better? No. no. Not really. <laughs> All right. uh, because I changed the rules, I'm also able to get John Gray in there. So I got Josiah and John back-to-back at the top of my sleeper pitchers. He gets Oakland, that AAA lineup. Jose Arquiti also gets Oakland. Uh, Zach Plesak, who's on a quality start streak, he gets the Tigers, worst offensive baseball. And I managed to... Uh, I went ahead and put Nick Lodolo in here, even though he's facing the Cardinals, a very good offense. You know, he, he looked great against the Mets, another good offense. So just hoping hoping his stuff comes through again. But he's only ninth among my my uh, 10 sleeper pitchers here. So not a ton of confidence in that pick. And it looks Uh-oh, like Frank, Frank is up this frozen. Time. All yeah. right. That's well, okay. It says ask Chris for streamers and deeper leagues. I'm just going to take over here. And Okay. Do we want to leave Frank uh, blinking? on the screen or not. Uh, all right. Some streamer, some deep, deep streamers to consider. And I'll, I'll just go through the ones that I think are potentially worth using. I think Nick, Nick Lodolo's a hundred percent on there. Marco Gonzalez. I mean, we've been skeptical. We remain skeptical, but at Washington, I think you probably can justify using Marco Gonzalez. I'm a little surprised he didn't make it in your, uh, sleeper, st- uh, pitchers there, uh, Scott. Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, Mitch White's been interesting. You know, St. Louis isn't the best matchup possible, but he's been interesting uh, in the Dodgers rotation. And I don't think much of Jake Odorizzi, but I think he's probably like a league average pitcher. And I think a league average pitcher against Oakland can get pretty good results. So I think Marco Gonzalez, Mitch White, and Jake Odorizzi are the three that I would consider in deeper leagues. So Marco Gonzalez, he had another start here on Thursday and came through again. Two earned runs in six and two-thirds innings. Eight hits, zero strikeouts. And so so Marco Gonzalez now has seven quality starts in his past eight opportunities. Four of those seven quality starts, he has struck out two or fewer. That is, uh, I don't know how he's doing it. I mean, that's kind of the story of his whole career. The strikeouts aren't normally this bad, but don't know how he's doing it. And, um, you know, I, I think you're playing with fire there, even against Washington. I know I've, you know, beggars can't be choosers here with the two start with the, with the sleeper pitcher picks. And I've got other streaking pitchers who I don't necessarily trust, like Zach Plesak and Jose or on here. But, you know, at, at least they're getting. Somewhere in the vicinity of seven Ks per night. For what it's worth, I think Marco Gonzalez might be better than Zach Plezak. Oh, man. Zach Plezak's expected stats are atrocious. He's got like a 5.8 expected ERA. It's really, really rough. Yeah. Am I here? Do you guys see me? Do you guys see me? You're here. We're here. Okay. You're back. We're gone for a while. 
Uh, I still, I never sent that angry email or made that phone call to my internet provider. So maybe that'll be a fun Friday for me. Let's wrap up with some hitters here. The best hitter matchups next week, White Sox, the Royals, the Padres, the Tigers, and the Guardians. The worst hitter matchups, the Angels, the Nationals, the Twins, the Brewers, and the Reds. Scott, bring us home. Sleeper hitters for next week. Real quick, uh, I just wanted to say the Rockies and Pirates could have also been among those five teams with the best hitter matchups. I had to get all four teams with eight games in there. Mm-hmm. So that kind of bumped out some that have really good matchups. And Rockies are at home all week, so that's always a good thing for them. All right, so some hitters to target this week. Not as much of a stretch as the pitchers. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino we already talked about. Royals are among those teams with eight games, four against the Tigers. And we love the the data for him, even though the production hasn't been there yet. Riley Green, another recent call-up who's exhibited very good plate discipline. Tigers have the fourth best matchups, also eight games. They get the Royals for the first four of those games. And I think it's going to be a coming-out party for both of them, Pasquantino and Green. Don't shy away from them this week. Big stuff is ahead. Got to get Isak Paredes in there. The Rays have good matchups themselves. Uh, Three of them against the Orioles. And obviously, he's been doing a lot of damage of late. Uh, And and especially at home. Like, Tropicana Field is not known for being a good place to hit, but his number's there. Like, he's been an an exception to the rule. I like the Marlins matchups this week as well. And so that makes Garrett Cooper a pretty easy call. He's been hot lately. Uh, The Guardians are among the teams with eight games. And I have both Josh Naylor and Framel Reyes in here. Now, Naylor has been sitting out with, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is, a a, a day-to-day injury. So if he doesn't return over the weekend, obviously when I update this list Sunday, I'll have to remove him. But I, I wanted to have him in here because not only are the Guardians playing eight games, but all of the pitchers on their schedule to face as of now are, are right-handers and Naylor just obliterates right-handers. He nails them. You might even say, uh, let's see. He doesn't Josh around against them. No, he doesn't. I'm going to put Luke Voigt on here too, to take advantage of those four games at Coors Field. All right. I like it. Josh Naylor currently dealing with a back injury. So hopefully returns over the weekend and, uh, he nails those right-handed pitchers next week. Um, let's hmm, rapid fire. Uh, see how much we can get to the rest of Thursday's action in the next five to ten minutes or so. What do we do with these pitchers? We mentioned the situation with Ronzi Contreras. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. He's 40% rostered. Uh, would, if you guys have him on your team, would you look to hold him? Maybe look to add him after this start? What do you think? I mean, we just did him on the drop-o-meter on Sunday, and Chris and I both had him as a drop. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, with 11 swinging strikes on 90 pitches, still very vulnerable to home runs and has the Pirates offense backing him. You know, there, there's some upside there. I, I think 40% is probably appropriate, but in most of the leagues I play in, uh, I, I don't have much interest in Contreras at this point. Yeah, I think if you need the roster spot, he's, he's droppable. I will admit these next four pitchers are um, not great, but Bad. I'll rattle them off anyway. Jordan Lyles, four solid starts in a row. He went six innings, one run with four strikeouts up against the Angels. He's 13% rostered. Trevor Williams was amazing. He also pitched against a Jazz Chisholm-less Marlins lineup. Seven shutout, two hits, seven strikeouts there. Matthew Liberatore, he only lasted four innings against the Braves. Four shutout with four strikeouts. But his velocity was way up. Fastball below 1.3 miles per hour. Slider up three miles per hour. Curve up two and a half. Changed his pitch mix. Just kind of interesting. And then uh, Bo Brisky, he's turned in some solid starts. Six and a third shutout with four strikeouts at the White Sox. Uh, Chris, anything here? Bo Brisky, Liberator, Trevor Williams, Jordan Lyles. I know Liberator's got some prospect pedigree, but I just... I don't really think he's any good, so I would still stay away from him. Um, I don't really have much interest in any of these guys. Like Trevor Williams is kind of average-ish, and so against good matchups, I think he can be useful. But this was his, probably his last start with Scherzer back, and and yeah, Chris uh, Bassett point, yeah. had been out 
but he's yeah, expected to be back Friday. So yeah. probably done. Probably yeah, it for Trevor point. Williams. Libertor, I'll just say, throw him on the scout team. Let's see where this goes because, uh, you know, I kind of like the pitch mix and, and the velo being up in this one. Pitching studs being studs. Justin Verlander has now gone six plus innings in 13 of 16 starts this season. He went six, gave up two runs, eight strikeouts against the Royals. Uh, Dylan Cease, Scott mentioned earlier, eight straight, allowing one earned run or fewer. There was a start in there with six unearned runs. Uh, he went six. Give up one run, eight strikeouts against the Tigers. Tony Gonsolin, back-to-back outings of seven-plus innings after zero in his first 14 starts. He went up against the Cubs, seven innings, two runs, three strikeouts. And then uh, pitching duel of the night, Joe Musgrove against Logan Webb. Seven shutout for Musgrove with six strikeouts. Logan Webb on the other side, eight innings, one run, two strikeouts. It's got a whole bunch of names here. What do you think? Webb, Musgrove, Gonsolin, Cease, Erlander. I, th- I think the most notable thing, you already pointed it out is Tony Gonsolin going seven innings and back-to-back starts when only half his starts before then were even six innings. And so if he starts taking on a, uh, you know, an ACE workload, it's harder to make the case against him being an actual ACE given his other numbers. It's worth noting. He only threw 93 pitches in this one. And I think the previous start, he didn't throw a ton of pitches. Yeah. I feel feel like we're repeating the same conversation. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we talked about on Sunday when he had that start or whenever it was, yeah. All right, let's move over to some hitting leftovers. Jose Altuve hit his 17th home run. Jordan Alvarez went one for four, hit his 26th. Rafael Devers, he looks healthy. Sat out yesterday, back, hamstring, no problem. Double dong off of Garrett Cole, who he owns. He Cole had some, had some great quotes about him. He was like, can he like miss hit one ball? <laughs> like he, he's, he just like, the like, quote was like, he never he never hits anything poorly. Can he just hit like one line drive at a guy? It was it was a great quote. <laughs> they were bombs too. They were both four hundred twenty five plus feet. It was not close. Like Devers is a monster. They they came out just to discuss the at bat against Devers. <laughs> they were probably like you know take it easy. You know maybe pitch around a little bit. Boom. Next thing you know, four hundred thirty foot bomb. Guy's awesome. Josh Donaldson back to back multi hit games with a home run in each. Jonathan India, very welcome sight hit. Uh, had four hits across the doubleheader against the Pirates. Dansby Swanson went one for four with two steals. He's now up to a career-high 14 steals on the season. Eugenio Suarez went two for three with his 14th homer. Mookie Betts, a double-dong, now up to 20 home runs on the season. The call to the bullpen for the Astros. Ryan Presley struck out one for his 18th save. For the Pirates, David Bednar picked up his 14th save. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes picked up his 16th save. For the Cardinals, Giovanni Gallegos entered in the seventh inning with a one-run lead. He gave up a solo home run to Michael Harris. Ryan Helsley uh, recorded seven outs spanning the eighth and tenth innings. Uh, He gave up an unearned run, and then Packy Naughton eventually converted the save once the Cardinals took the lead in the 11th inning. Uh, Did you see uh, Ryan Helsley no longer has the hardest-thrown ball in Major League Baseball this season? Mm, Jordan Hicks threw on 103.6 miles per hour today. Jeez. That's something to keep an eye on because if he gets back into form, that could further complicate what's already been a very complicated uh, situation. Scott, can we just, are we done with Giovanni Gallegos? Like, if you were holding on to him in a deeper categories league, can you just drop him? Yeah, I mean, if saves are the priority there, uh, he'll, he could still be ratio help and, and with pretty good volume for those ratios. But I've, I've moved him down quite a bit in my relief pitcher rankings. Mm hmm. Speaking of relief pitcher rankings, I'll tell you what, trying to rank Clay Holmes and Chapman right now is one of the hardest things to do because we just don't really know what's going to go on. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto gave up a run but picked up his 17th save. For the Phillies, Sir Anthony Dominguez pitched a clean ninth for his third save. He's 42% rostered if you're in need of saves. Jorge Lopez for the Orioles picked up his 15th. Daniel Bard for the Rockies picked up his 17th. And for the Dodgers, I just saw Craig Kimbrell entered in a... With a three-run lead, struck out the first two batters, gave up a single, an RBI double, a walk. Then he was pulled for Alex Vesia, who struck out the final batter, and mm-hmm. so he picked up the save. It was not uh, Craig Kimbrell, who has been dealing with a back injury, so something to watch there. To stream or not to stream for the weekend, we'll start with Friday. Tyler Wells versus the Angels, Aaron Savali at the Royals, Brady Singer versus the Guardians, JT Brubaker at the Brewers. 
Chad Cool at the Diamondbacks, Ross Stripling at the Mariners. It's always so bad. I guess it's not surprising because I can't find any sleeper pitchers anymore. Yeah, I could see Cool and Stripling being okay. Yeah. Chicken strip. Let's go. Fire them up at Seattle. Saturday, we've got Johnny Cueto versus the Tigers, Dean Kramer versus the Angels, Devin Smeltzer at the Rangers, Kyle Freeland at the Diamondbacks. Scott, it only gets better, uh, buddy. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe Johnny Cueto will come through for us again. Gets maybe. the worst lineup in baseball. Maybe. Maybe. Sunday, we've got Nick Lodolo versus the Rays. All right, that's something. Zach Greinke versus the Guardians. Jose Quintana at the Brewers. Dane Dunning versus the Twins. Jake Odorizzi at the A's. Is it an overreaction to say I like all five of these better than any of the ones from the previous two days? Is it an overreaction? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, I think Stripling is probably better than a few of these, but that's probably the only one. Realistically, the only guy I'd start from any of these three days is Lodolo. And even that, I'm not super eager to do. So that's that's where things stand for me. All right. Fair enough. The week is Odorizzi, over. Odorizzi gets a win and a quality start at Oakland. There you go. Bold prediction for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.